Hello, hello. My name is Dan Casey. Thanks, everybody, for joining me on my show, Rate My Retirement. So I'm going to be bringing on my guest in just a minute. We're going to review her entire retirement plan. I'm going to give you my thoughts as I've been done in the past. And you guys can, as the viewers, ask questions, tell me I'm crazy, tell me if there's a better way to do what I'm going to do. And let's have a discussion because this is live, unless, of course, you're watching it on YouTube. So if you are watching it live on Facebook, feel free to jump in the chat room. I've got my uh, live producer, Ryan, waiting in the wings. Um, he'll jump in and ask the question and uh, we can have a discussion and hopefully answer your questions. Um, so, but if you are on Facebook, make sure you like the page if you haven't already. That way you'll get notifications when I do these shows. Um, if you're watching it uh, recorded on YouTube, of course, subscribe, like, thumbs up, do whatever the heck you have to do, and you'll get notified when I upload uh, future shows to my YouTube channel. So um, just real quick about me. So I've been an independent financial advisor for 20 years now with my own firm. So I've been blessed never to have to work for some of the big uh, brokerage from the big warehouses. So I was never forced to do something for my clients that I was didn't want to do um, and wasn't being asked to do by some of the bigger the bigger firms. Um, so I've been fortunate to be invited out to Williamton, Delaware to do a TEDx talk on uh, how to get to the 0% tax bracket, uh, invited out to High Point University to do talk about inflation. And then you kind folks are inviting me into your living rooms or onto your phone, in your car, wherever it is, uh, to do this show today. Um, so with me is Elizabeth. Say hi, Elizabeth. Hi, everyone. Hi, Dan. Joining me on phone. Thanks, Elizabeth, for uh, for helping me out uh, today. Now, you're a retired teacher and you're from New Jersey. And I know we've talked previously in the past and I don't get any kind of accent at all. Why don't you have one of those nice, thick New Jersey accents? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but actually, I did live in Seattle, um, Washington area for 22 years. So that's and that's where I did all my teaching. Okay, cool. So that's yeah, that's probably why. All right. So let's dig right in. Um, Ryan, bring up slide number one. So this is uh, just some background. Elizabeth is uh, 63, like I said, a retired teacher from New Jersey, um, with assets of $384,000 now in an IRA two IRAs combined into one, a Roth at 43,000, little cryptocurrency at 9,000. Um, that's, that's always awesome. Um, and then go to uh, slide two. <clears throat> These are our issues and concerns. I know uh, when we talked, Elizabeth, you wanted to try obviously to get into as close to the 0% tax bracket as possible. Um, and then the second uh, concern is creating income while converting. Let me just talk about that real quick, Ryan. You take that off. So um, a lot of the times, uh, the tricky time is when you're con trying to convert to Roth, and that's, of course, the uh, the main way we can get into the 0% uh, tax bracket. The tricky part is you most people aren't converting until they actually retire. So that Goldilocks time frame that I talk about is, you know, when you first retire up until age 72, when required minimum distributions kick in. So that's the kind of the time frame where you have most control over your income, um, where we can do tax diversification. So the problem though is when you first retire, you wanna create income maybe from your portfolio, um, but we also need to take that portfolio, that IRA and convert it to a Roth. So how do you you know pick the right investments so you can still convert uh, to your Roth um, and still, you know, have the same income so there's not a lapse in income or, or issues. And that's why, again, a lot of times we need to talk about taxes and income before I can even get into investments. Because what if, you know, you love the idea of an annuity where you just, you know, get a pension payments for the rest of your life? Well, 
that's great, but you give up some liquidity, right? So it's going to be harder to convert to a Roth if you're stuck in an annuity. Um, so that's what we're going to hit on a little bit today of maybe how we can get that done. Um, and then slide number three, Ryan, is uh, your income. So right now, the income is just the Social Security and pensions. Um, and I know you and I had talked and you're like, you know, 50000 would be great. Sure. So I at least started with that so we can kind of see if that makes sense. So income of desired is 50000 with Social Security of 21120 and a pension of 6000 Okay, so go off that slide, Ryan. And then we'll, the next thing I usually do for clients, and, and uh, Elizabeth, I don't know if I ever have done this for you in our, during our previous talks, but the first thing I like to do is figure out what rate of return do you need on your money to make to give you that $50,000, um, knowing that Social Security is going to come in for the rest of your life, knowing the pension is going to come in for the rest of your life. Um, and then I factor in inflation usually at around 3%. Then I bump it up to 4% when you're 80, just to give kind of a worst case scenario. And I figure out what rate of return do you need on all your money to make sure that it lasts the rest of your life. So that rate of return for you, bring up slide number five, right? Is at $50,000 is 8.65% is what you need on your money. Um, the range is between that 8.65 and 9.23. So 8.65 is if you just want to end with zero. So meaning, you know, you get all this income and at age 95, you've got nothing left. I know that's not the goal of what you want, but I just want to get that bottom line at like, what's the minimum rate of return we need to give you that income for the rest of your life. Um, and then all the way up to 9.23, if you want to pass on to anybody what you started with the uh, the balances that you had. So that kind of gives me a range of the rate of return you need on all your money uh, to make sure that either last, you know, your whole life gets you to zero or gets you with what you started with if you wanted to pass that on to any heirs or beneficiaries of any kind. So um, I can I just check in one, after, one second? Yeah. This? Okay. Yes. Um, so you're, what you're saying is if I'm taking three to 4% as income, though that is the rate of return I need on my on investments. No, I'm saying in order to give you that $50,000 a year, you need about somewhere between eight and 9% on your investments to make that happen for the rest of your life, including inflation and everything like that. And that's okay. So, and that will eventually wear down the money that's in there right now, rather than preserve it, unless it's at the higher interest rate. Yeah. So if you're making 9.23%, yeah, for every year for your whole life, then yes, you'll die at age 95 and you'll be able to pass on with what you started with to beneficiaries or heirs um, all the way down to 8.65. Yeah. If you end with zero. So it just kind of gives us a range of what you need to make on your money every year for those two goals, either ending with zero or ending with what you started. Awesome. That's so clear. did that make it clear? Yes, it's it. Thank okay, you. Okay. All right. Good. So I guess my my first thought is that's a pretty high rate of return. So here's a couple of ways we could look at that. If you, you know, we if maybe inflation might take five, six, seven, eight years for it to really kick in, who knows, right? So the first thing you could do is you could just build a dividend portfolio. So you know, you you use your account balance to buy the ETFs um, that kick off the dividend. So that's your that's your income. The ETF balance will go up and down with the market but you've already bought your ETF portfolio. So that's that's not gonna vary that much. That'll be your income. So kind of get a, a rule of thumb of how that works. If you want 50,000, 
and we've got 21,120 and 6,000 coming in. That leaves a difference of, let's see, let me do this real quick. So 21,120 plus 6,000 is 27,120. And then we're going to subtract that from 50,000 to give us how much extra you need. So the gap is the gap is a calculation that I can't seem to do without. It's 22,000 something. Awesome. That's so nice when the guess gets faster on numbers than I am. So, so what, so what is that number again, Elizabeth? 20, 22,000 and change. I didn't okay. Let's just do 22,000. So what we need to do is to figure out how much money do we need to put in dividends to get you that income. So we just divide it by our, my current income portfolio right now is 7%. So that tells me if you divide that, that your account balance to be invested in di dividends is $314,000 that if you invested in dividends, would give you that $22,000 gap. Mm -hmm. Did I just totally confuse you or did that make sense? No, that made sense. Okay, perfect. So you, you, you've got Social Security 2120, you've got a pension of 6,000, you need 314,000 to invest in, in uh, dividends to kick off that gap to give you that 50,000. So, I, and I do know obviously that you have that balance. So the question is, you know, do you, put all your money in income investments. Um, income investments tend not to grow as well as, as growth ETFs, growth stocks, right? Income investments, uh, they just tend to kick off the dividends to you, right? And not putting it back in the company, so they're not growing. So that's kind of the trade-offs. Um, but technically, I guess I'm going back to that slide number five, Ryan, where yes, overall, if you were to just put your portfolio in a diversified growth portfolio, you need about eight to 9% a year to make sure it lasts. But what I'm saying is maybe you could just go right into dividends, curate the income that you need, and you're you're good as far as that, as far as giving you the income with your social security and pension. So as long as we don't get crazy inflation, you know, that dividend portfolio would work out pretty good for you. Does that make sense, uh, Elizabeth? Um, let me just say it back to you, make sure yep. I've got it right. Um, so what that means is that basically, you know, even with the fluctuation of the underlying stocks and shares or the ETFs themselves, the dividends would come, you know, they just wouldn't be reinvested. They would become my income and the foundational money would remain. Yes. So you're not touching your, I like that word, foundational, principal. your principal. Yeah. <laughs> you're not touching your principal at all. And so, so as long as you're not touching your principal, you can't outlive your money, right? Um, so but it will go up and down with the market. But once we, or once you build that portfolio and you have those shares, that can go up and down all you want, but you're still getting paid on these shares. So that's that's going to be your income. Now with COVID, we did see probably about 20% of my income uh, portfolios, clients who are in those, they cut the dividends or or, uh, or reduce them. Um, so, in their, but, but they are starting to come back. Now, barring a major biological crash like that, usually companies won't do that because that shows, shows a sign of weakness. So, uh, but they can get away with it when there was right a, a black swan event, a COVID crash. So um, usually that doesn't happen that dramatic. So for the most part, when you build an income portfolio like that, it'll just kick off the income. You're not touching your principal. It's going up and down, um, but you're not touching your principal. It's just kicking off the income. Um, so if you if you weren't comfortable with that and you said, well, Dan, I just want to build, you know, I want to have a diversified portfolio in the market because, you know, maybe short term we might have a market correction, but for really for the most part, I want to take all advantage of stock market gains. Well, then if you want to stay in the market, 
getting eight to nine percent every year is is probably not going to happen over a super long period of time that is their average rate but you know if you start pulling money out and we do get a market crash you're you're killing dollars that would be there to make it back when the market comes back so um what i did is ryan go to slide four so i said okay well what would her rate of return be if she we just reduced it to forty thousand? well now we're getting you know with definitely within the realm of uh, being reasonable uh, somewhere between five and, and 6% is all you really need to make sure your money lasts your entire life um, and passing on some, if you want, um, giving you that $40,000. Okay. So it just kind of gives us a, a general idea. And that's using the same $314,000 that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, no, that 314,000 was just if you wanted to build a dividend portfolio. So these rate of returns are based on the money that you, this IRA of 384 and the Roth of 43. Okay. Being so the full, full the full. Um, yeah, I probably didn't make that clear. So, so the report just shows what rate of return do you need on your money? Not, not counting in what investments you could, you have the options of just what rate of return do you need? So all I said is because you need eight to nine um, over the super long term, you could just, you know, figure out how much you would need in dividends to give you that money. It turns out you have enough to create the dividends to give you that income. Um, and that would work for the shorter time. This rate of return is, you know, calculating inflation over, uh, you know, up until age 95. So that's kind of why uh, that rate oh, of return I is see, really I higher. See. That makes a lot of sense to me now because the dividend is a totally different scenario. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. What, what, are you, what are you saying? <laughs> I didn't mean to talk over you. No, you're I fine. Said, um, I said, I because the dividends are not touching the underlying value. That's yeah. The thank you. Thank you. Yes, that's. I think the point that I didn't say earlier. Yes, you're right. Perfect. Um. Okay. Um. All right. So let's next talk about how we get into this tax-free world. So, as you're aware. Any money sitting, like for instance, in this IRA, um, is going to be subject to uh, required minimum distributions. Currently, age seventy-two, where you're going to be forced to pull it out. Obviously, what well, we want to look at that because the big unknown there is um, what is going to be that rate. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, taxes at age seventy-two when you have to pull that out, right? That's going to be a big factor. Of course, we don't know what that is. All right, so first, let's talk about um, how much your RMD or your required minimum distribution is going to be. Um, so what I did is I just took whatever assets you had that are subject to RMD, and that's your IRA there of 384. I grew it at 7% um, a year. And at age 72, Ryan, lied, uh, Ryan, slide six, thank you. You're way ahead of me. $27,568 is how much you're going to have to pull out at age 72. Now, here's the uh, interesting thing about this. And it's really, what's, what's interesting is it's really not too far off for the money you want. If let's say you're, you're good with 50,000, you can see it's really not far off from the money that you want anyways. Right. So, you know, a lot of times I'll talk to clients and, you know, all they need is like 30, 40,000 extra uh, a year, but their RMD is like 80, 90,000. Good problem yeah. to have, right? But luckily you don't have that problem. It's not like you're being forced to pull out way more than you need. Uh, but you are being forced to pull money out. So, and we don't know what the tax rates are going to be. So that's going to be a presenting a problem. Now, it is a little bit more than what you need. That's going to get you above $50,000 um, with that and Social Security and everything. So it presents an interesting problem with Social Security taxation. 
Now, uh, Ryan, go to slide seven. So at $50,000, you can see Social Security, before you had to pull out $27,000, um, 44% of your Social Security is going to be taxable. Now, when uh, we get to 72 um, and you have to take out this uh, $27,000, again, it's probably about four grand more than you need, but that four grand changes a lot. You can see when SAT kicks in, it changes to 60% of your Social Security is taxable. Wow. So, and that's, that's the typical social security torpedo tax, meaning not only are this extra three, four, 5,000 that you have to take out of your RM or your, uh, IRA, that's going to be taxable, of course, but it's causing some of your tax free money, your tax free, uh, social security to become taxable as well. So it's a, it's a double hit. Yeah. So, which is again, reason why, uh, you are looking to convert to a Roth. Now, again, if you were to talk to a CPA at this point with the income that you have and the assets that you have, they'd say, why would you bother? Well, that's a good, that's a good reason right there is why. Let, um, let's go back to, or no, let's go to uh, a slide eight, Ryan, which is really this, the same slide I use for anybody, why conversions, but it, this doesn't all apply to you, Elizabeth. So the number one reason, of course, paying taxes now at a known rate, we can uh, get money out of your retirement accounts at a very low rate. Um, dur during the Goldilocks timeframe, which is now up until age 72. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Um, no required minimum distributions in a Roth. That's huge. So if you say in the future, decide you can live on much less income, then you could just take less income and you're not going to be forced to pull any money out as if you keep it in a traditional IRA. So it does give you more flexibility because with a Roth, there are no required so you meet minimum distribution so you can just stop taking out much more more, more income sure. tax-free tax-free gift to children um most people are aware that if you give any money a traditional ira money to your kids um and by traditional i mean 401ks 403bs all that money uh they can never convert it to a roth so they have to keep it in a taxable account not a big concern for you secure act obviously people know now you die and any money's passed to anybody, uh, most people, they have to deplete it within 10 years. If it's in a Roth, they still have to deplete it in 10 years, but it's all tax-free. And this, this last one is the conversion matrix. Now, I want to show you this matrix um, because I, did, I haven't shown it before in the previous shows. Um, I like matrices cool. because it, it has tons of cool information in the background, but just gives you really easy to understand uh, way to know, does conversions make sense? Um, and Great. because of the, the big unknown that we don't know is how much taxes are going to go up, right? So hopefully this isn't overwhelming, but- um, This is Ryan, awesome, by the way. Thank you. Oh, good. Awesome. You're welcome. All right, so Ryan, bring up slide 10, wrong glasses. All right, so depending on who, how you're looking at this, um, whether it's your phone, you're probably not going to be able to do well. But um so what's cool about this is this tells me, so that the top row there, you can see the early acceleration tax rate. All that means is um, if you're converting now, pulling money out now and paying taxes at that first row, that's your early acceleration tax rate. The one on the left-hand side going up and down is um, what tax rate you may pay when you take it out, whether it's required minimum distributions or, or whatever. So for instance, See the red square right in the middle? I sure so do. what that tells me is if you go to the top, 
All right, good. So if you go to the top and say, all right, I'm going to pay 22% on this money that I'm converting right now. You don't have to, Elizabeth, but for anybody else paying 22%, what you do is you go down and say, okay, what if I have to pay, what would, what if I would have had to pay 28% when I take it out because tax rates increase. So then you go find the middle point, which is that red square. And it says you would have 23% more in your Roth if you converted at 22%, uh, if tax rates go up to 28 it's probably kind of confusing. Wow. So the, the yellow square is the sweet spot. So it's it's kind of that yellow square is the sweet spot. I mean, if you could pay it 22 to 24%, then you're going to have more money in your Roth if tax rates go up to 28, 33, or 35%. So you can kind of play with the numbers. You can kind of start to see that, you know, if you, if, with conversions, if you start bumping up into the 32% or the 35%, which is that top row, you see it really, you know, tax rate have to go up to, you know, 39.6 to make, start to make sense. Um, which is what usually why I tell people are converting and you jumping into that 32, it's probably not going to make sense. So maybe you shouldn't um, and only convert when you're hitting the 22 or 24. Okay. I have a question. So you're going to be paying uh, tax. Yeah, go ahead. So what we're trying to question? see and why you say, um, early acceleration tax rate we're trying to um decide how much to convert at in a year is this is this what we're doing yes so this this kind of helps figure out how much to convert um for you now i've already done the math and i'm going to get into that for a second for you um <laughs> but i was i was also putting this up because to, to help others depending on what you know whether they're what tax bracket they're going to be in when they're converting now um, compared to where it makes sense, depending on what, how much tax rates go up in the future. Sure. Um, okay. Thanks. So, all right. So let's go to, um, let's go to slide nine, Ryan. So I, cause I also wanted to have this discussion um, as far as, because you so there's, there's two ways that you can pay the conversion taxes when you're converting from a traditional IRA to a Roth. So one way is, is say you're, say you're converting $40,000 from an IRA to a Roth. You can decide to convert that full $40,000 into a Roth and then pay the tax bill at tax time. Okay. So, and you would pay that tax bill more than likely out of say a, a non-retirement account or savings that you have. So, so that full $40,000 would go into the, to the Roth and so you're 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 better off than the alternative, which is converting forty, but instead of that full forty going into the Roth, you're say sending five thousand to the IRS, um, so only thirty five thousand is going into the Roth. So the 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 logic to figure out which which makes sense more is of course with all this stuff right is never cut and dry because again we don't know what tax rates are going to be in the future to know. Does it make sense or not? Mm -hmm. So this slide right here, what I did is I said, okay, so let's just take a time frame from age 60 to 72 and assume 5% growth. So on the left, you can see a $300,000 IRA. <clears throat> so if we just let that ride, that's going to become a, roughly a $500,000 IRA at age 72. If we convert that $300,000 at age 60 uh, to a Roth at, and pay the 20% taxes out of the conversion itself, which is what you're going to have to do, 
we, we ended up with only 240,000 in the Roth, right? 60,000 of it went to the IRS to pay for that conversion. Then we grow the Roth uh, for F5% to age 72, and we have a $400,000 Roth roughly. So you have less in the Roth, but this is what we have to kind of figure out. So the $500,000 IRA has required minimum distributions. We're going to have to take out about $20,000 $20, from that. We don't know what tax rates are going to be. Um, we're going to have to deplete the IRA. Maybe we don't need that at that point. Who knows, right? So a lot of unknowns. Then you jump over to the Roth. That's $400,000 of tax-free money. You never have to pull it out. They, they don't have RMDs. Um, so it can continue to grow tax-free. I mean, it can become eight hundred grand in another 10 years, and it's all completely tax-free money. So yes, the Roth is less than the IRA because we took money out to pay the taxes, but you paid off the IRS and you never have to pay taxes on it again. So again, so yes, you have less money in the Roth, but you don't have RMDs. And to be able to know if that was a smart choice, we have to know what tax rates are going to be at 72. And of course, we just don't know that. So right. that's kind of what we're looking at with you, Elizabeth, is we're half to paying that tax bill out of the conversion. And I guess at the end, what I'm saying here is... I think it still makes sense to convert money, even if you have to pay the tax bill out of the conversion itself. Okay, I see. Did that? Does that make sense? It does, and um, yeah, and, I, I, you know, it, I, it seems like it's worth taking a bet that the taxes could be higher than they are now. Between that and just the fact that it gives you more flexibility of not having to pull the money out at age 72 if you don't want to, because it's in a Roth. Um, so between those two things, to me, yes, that's like, if this was my money, I would want to do that just so I have more control. If tax rates double, doesn't matter. You don't have to pay those because you don't have to pull the money out. And even if you do, if you want to continue at $50,000 of income, if it's coming out of the Roth, doesn't matter. It's not, you're not going to be paying any taxes hardly at all, um, even if tax rates double. So I don't know if I just confuse you and the viewers and everybody, um, but that's kind of, and just, just to further um, go down the rabbit hole, I even do a comparison of, so, cause see how that $60,000, like, let's say we converted the 300 full 300 into uh, 300 of Roth and pay the tax bill outside from other monies in a savings or whatever. So, of course, we, we instead of a five hundred thousand, I mean, instead of a four hundred thousand dollar Roth, we'd have a five hundred thousand dollar Roth, right? Because it's we, you know, yes. we, we converted the exact same Roth. So, but the, we have that opportunity cost of that sixty thousand dollars that we used to pay the taxes way back then, right? At age sixty. So I even go through the analysis of well, let's assume that sixty thousand grows at five percent as well. What does that turn out to be? And it turns out where it's roughly a hundred thousand dollars that that sixty would have grown to. So you can see it's mm -hmm. it's compared to, you know, it's pretty much the same. It's meaning that it's best to convert, assuming 5% growth, assuming this 12 year window that I use as an analysis. So that's a good piece to know that, um, you know, that comparison of, of the two, re you know, alternate features um, makes me feel more confident. All right, good. Because I even start to confuse myself when I start to go through the numbers. <laughs> but, but I think the, the point is, um, this really could be done or maybe should be done for everybody that decides to convert and pay the taxes out of the conversion itself. Um, I used a window of 12 years and 5%, but what if it was 10%? What if it was a smaller window? So you can see how it can get crazy for every individual person. But for you, I still think it makes sense. 
Okay, so I think to really put a fine point on this, uh, Ryan, go to slide 11. These are the actions um, that I would suggest. And I know we talked about this in a previous Zoom. Um, we went through my retirement calculator, right? And we kind of figured out um, how much should you convert? So right. the, the retirement calculator showed that if we if we didn't want to pay more than 10% a year, which I think would be a, a great thing to be, let's see, like just looking at my matrix, um, 10%, if you paid it at 10%, tax rates would only go to have to go, oh, I have these crappy glasses. Tax rates um, would only have to go up to 15% for, and you'd have 20% more in your in your Roth. So a 10% is um, a cool amount because it's, it's low enough for where the tax rates don't have to go up much to make that worthwhile. And also converting 37,000 didn't raise your Medicare Part B or D. Um, so what I did is I did the math and I said, okay, if we convert $37,000 a year for 10 years, um, while the, the rest of the money is still growing, that puts your IRA balance at about 162,000. Uh, so that gives you an RMD of 6,500 bucks. So that's totally doable. So to, to kind of to recap, so if we convert $37,000 from your IRA to your Roth every year, Ryan, you can go off the, the action slide now because I'm going to ramble for a little bit here. So $37,000 from your IRA to your Roth every year. Um, we're only going to be paying 10% on that. Um, so remember, let me see if I can illustrate that with my hand. So this is your IRA balance. So we're, we're converting every year to a Roth, right? But there's still an amount in here that's growing. So I, I even calculated that assuming it still grows at about 5% you'll be left with $162,000 in that at RMD time. So your RMD is only 6,500. So then what I did is I calculated with your social security, your pension and money coming out of your Roth to give you that 50,000. So it's all tax free plus your $6,500 RMD. All that will be offset by the standard deduction if the tax code remains the same as it is now, where it's 12,000 and change for you because you're single, um, and even indexed with, because that gets indexed with inflation. So basically you'll be in the ta completely tax-free zone. That's so awesome. <laughs> I've never heard anyone else uh, even bring this up, let alone you're the first person. That's awesome. So, so, so the social security will become slightly taxable with the, with your pension of 6,000 and the RMD of 6,500, but the amount that becomes taxable will be offset by the standard deduction. And then any additional income you want can come out of the Roth, whether you're dividends or whatever you decide to do. And that obviously doesn't change anything because it's tax-free money and it's off the IRS radar. I should have made a slide for that because that gets confusing, but I think you understand kind of where we're going with this, right? I do, I just have one question. Absolutely. Go ahead. When you said pay 10%, I thought you were meant that was the tax rate that I'd be paying at the 37,000. But, but the red square was in the 22%. I'm a little confused about that. Please. Okay. Thank you. See, this is why I like talking to you because you asked the perfect questions that I skip over. seems like all the time. So Aww, the the conversion matrix i was just kind of showing that in general terms i didn't mean to say that that red square was you sorry i probably didn't oh, make okay. that clear so i just picked one point in that yellow square that made sense for other people so yes you will be paying 10 percent 
on your money. Because if you remember that previous Zoom that we did, we did the retirement calculator and with your social security, mm -hmm. we could convert 37,000 a year and still only pay 10% on it. So yes, for you, wow. you will only be paying 10% on, on your conversion amount. Beautiful. Yes, okay, cool. Um, and yeah, so for you, 10%, yeah, that, according to that matrix, yes, it doesn't have to go up very off, very much at all for that to have made sense. Um, okay, sure. Okay, and then I guess the, the last thing, of course, growth, portfolio, dividends, annuity. This is the, just the, and I don't really get into specifics on the show because we would be here another half an hour. But sure. those are really like your three main options of, of how to invest. So growth portfolio, obviously the pros are you're going to get, um, when the market, if the market gets double digit returns, you're going to get it. And that's awesome. But of course, when the market gets double digit losses, that's you'll, you'll get that as well. And really when you go back and look at from 2000 to, to now with the crash that we saw in 2000, 2001, 2002, and the crash that we saw in 2008, you only get like five, 6% on your money anyways, um, over right. those. Pre so if that's, if that's normal, if that's now our norm, where we're going to get these major corrections every 10 years, mm -hmm. The stock market's only getting five, six percent. So I'm not sure, you know, and, and not to mention if you are if you're still having to pull the money out of a growth portfolio while it's going down because of a correction. And I know I think I beat this beat this point up, but you're you're pulling money out, you're killing dollars that would have been there to make it up when the market returns. Um, so that's the kind of the dangerous of a growth portfolio. If you're flexible, like meaning when the market's going up and going awesome, and you can take that income out without touching principal. And then when the market crashes, you ease up and don't take any income out. If you want to adjust your income like that, then rock and roll growth portfolio might be best. And again, it's not 100%, 100%. You can split it up between these three things. So dividend portfolio, we kind of hit, hit on that already. You're not touching your principal um, uh, and you get income from that like a paycheck, but you're not going to get growth necessarily like you would in a growth portfolio. And of course, annuity, you're just shifting your risk to an insurance company. They take all the risk, but the trade-offs are a lot of times you're locked into it for a certain amount of time. Um, and depending on like, if you, if you want to pull income from annuity, usually you need like a seasoning period of like five, 10 years for it to really start kicking off some decent income. So you could do that in, in knowing that in 10 years, you're going to get income from that. And then with the money that you have left over, you're in growth or dividend, but that's kind of, the, you know, and you could do a little bit of each or all of one, depending on what you thought. And so that's that. Did right. you have a, cause I know you're, you're managing your own money. Did you have a, uh, any questions on though, that kind of mix, or do you know, kind of know what you're going to do for your portfolio? Um, I, I have things mostly in growth and value at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. And there'll always be, there'll be some companies that I think I will want to keep individual shares. And in. most of what I have is in like index funded ETFs, Perfect. And yep. I guess a question that I would have is, um, you know, is is possible to work with you to um, have the benefit of your experience in finding the best dividend ETFs possibly, question mark? Yeah, yeah. So if you, I mean, I'll just give you the ETFs that I, I currently use um, and you can just, you know, do them yourself if you want. If you, um, thanks. I mean, if that's all you want. So, um, I'm happy to do that. That pays about 7%. So the only thing is I do on a monthly basis kind of requery all the ETFs out there. There's, I think, probably more than 3,000 that focus on income. Most mm -hmm. of them are obviously crap because I, I pare it down to about, I think I have now about seven or eight. Um, 
So I'm, I'm happy to give you those to you what they are now, but you might just have to, and I can kind of show you how I do it uh, so you can see what makes sense. But um, that would be lovely, actually. Yeah, to give you the income for that. Um, cool. Any other questions? Um, gee, you would think I'd have some. Uh, okay, so what if, let's say, you know, because we're counting on the 6,500 being offset by the standard deduction and, yep. or at least part of what the standard deduction is, um, what if the growth is quite large in what's remaining of the traditional uh, IRA that is taxable, um, that takes me above that amount in, of All the right, RMD? So no, you're fine. Just ask the question one more time. Okay. So we're planning, we're looking at having money left in the traditional IRA yeah. that will give me an amount that could be offset by the standard deduction. Yes. What if, you know, there's phenomenal growth? I guess this is a problem to have, but what if there's a, a phenomenal growth in the, um, in the what's left in the traditional IRA. Oh, but but by age 72, okay, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. So by age 72, I will be left with enough money that will be offset by standard deduction. But what if that has grown beyond that? What, what are yes. my options? Good question. So yes, okay. I of course, estimating, I think your growth at, I think I did 7%. Did I do 7%? Yes, I did. That was 7%. for the dividend. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, no, I was do when I did when I calculated um, the sixty five hundred. I was basing it off of seven uh, percent growth. So if you get eight, nine, ten, eleven, yeah, um, you're it's gonna you're gonna have to convert more. That's <laughs> I mean that's unfortunately um, a good All problem right. to have. But you're right. It's just you're just gonna have to keep your eye on your balances and make sure that we just don't want that RMD to be more than six, seven thousand dollars when you start having to pull it out, and you'll still be fine. So. Um, that's kind of, okay, yeah, what great. you're going to have to keep your eye on. Thank you. Yeah, no, you're welcome. I'm trying to think um, if I have any other questions. Um, so I guess another thing just to, for me to say for myself is that if I am going to do any further work in the world, which is, you know, good consideration, then I will want to only contribute to Roth at that point. Yes. And see, you did it again. You asked a perfect question. So if you decide to work and get a part-time job, just know that that income that you're, that you're making is going to eat into the uh, standard deduction as well. So you might start to, to where that doesn't make any sense at all because it's going to cause more Social Security to be taxable, right? So um, that's, that is uh, a point. But because you're working, you now can contribute to a Roth. I'm just not sure. We'd have to look at, does that make sense? Um, to work for that, for the money, if it's causing it too much excess tax. Well, whatever, we cross that road when you come to it. Um, okay. I, I know there gosh. are some Roths that you can set up within an umbrella of some sort that you can, you know, maybe not um, work, but you can, you know, invest differently or you can, um, you know, invest in real estate. You could do different things that are under a sort of umbrella. So just have to keep things in the Roth as much as possible, I guess. Yeah, you're saying if you don't invest in a, in a Roth, how you can invest but, in things to keep it taxable, tax-free? No, I'm saying that um, there are some Roth structures out there that will allow you to do certain kinds of things within them 
not just like you know just ETFs and and and, and stocks and shares and bonds, but also like you know real estate investments. It's just something I'm just starting to learn about. So yeah, I really- yeah, and and actually that's something I don't even know. Like I know a uh, a traditional IRA you can buy real estate in that. Obviously, you got to find the right custodian, right? I think there's about ten or eleven exactly. in the United States that will allow you. To- but can you do that in a Roth? Can yeah. you buy real estate in a Roth IRA? You can. Yes, that's what I'm being wow. told. I, I haven't like, that's you know, tested fairly new, the I think. yet. What's that? All right. I think that's something fairly new. Or maybe that's the IRS never really clarified. Um, or maybe it just wasn't a big deal because maybe enough people didn't have enough money in the Roths to buy real estate. <laughs> but um, to create tax-free income from a rental, that's kind of cool. But anyways, yeah. So that's a whole other topic, right? Yeah, we'll talk about that another time. All right, all right cool. So <laughs> any other things for me, Elizabeth? Um, I'm good. I, I'm really excited, actually. And I appreciate so much your um, your expertise and, and sharing. Absolutely. Ryan, we didn't have any questions at all. No, nothing came through from the viewers, but we can throw it certainly out to them if they have any questions here before we wrap our show. Feel free to fire them all through right. and I can relay them to Dan. Yes. So again, if you're watching live right now on Facebook, you can ask questions. Um, but again, I'm just going to, I'm going to uh, fall back on the fact that I did such an awesome job explaining things. There are no questions. I know that's not true, but all right. So oh, go, ahead. <laughs> go ahead and put up that last slide, Ryan. So if you want to be on the show, like Elizabeth was so gracious to do, um, you can be as anonymous as, po- as you want. Um, but uh, call us at that number. You can email me. I'm sure if you're on my email list, you I've got your email, right? You can just reply to me. I'm probably bombarding you. Um, or email my assistant, Kim, at that email right there. Um, I We've got, I think, one for the next. I think I might be booked up through maybe end of August or whatever. So if you're looking to be on the show by September, uh, reach out to me and uh, let me know. And we'll do your case study uh, on the show. And um, we'll hash it out and find out uh, what makes sense for you. So no questions, Ryan? No, no questions today. It doesn't look like it. Awesome. All right. Well, cool. Everybody, thanks for watching, uh, whether it was live on Facebook or recorded on YouTube. Thanks again, Elizabeth, for joining me. I hope this helped. And uh, we'll talk after the show to get you the information you need. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.